Welcome to the GDPR Weekly Show, one of the top five GDPR podcasts worldwide. Here is what's coming up in this week's episode. Welcome to episode 210 of the GDPR Weekly Show, the number one GDPR podcast worldwide. And coming up in this week's episode, we have news of the Apple security flaw, which potentially affects all Apple users, whether you're using iPhones, iPads, iPods even, of some version, and Apple Macs. If that applies to you, please do listen to this article because there is a serious security flaw which has been discovered by Apple, and we have instructions on what you need to do to correct it. We then learn that the Association of British Investigators is prepared a GDPR code of conduct for its members, and is currently having a consultation, so we speak about that. And we then travel to the USA, where the SEC is pressing charges for insider trading over the Equifax data breach. And then we have news that Chapter 1 class action has an update following the Chapter 1 data breach. We then travel to the Isle of Man, where Manx Chair faces a possible £170,000 penalty after a data breach. And we then travel to Canada, where WestJet's app has had a data breach. And then to South Africa, where Vodacom has had a data breach. We then look back at a story from last week about the Twilio data breach, and the fact that that Twilio data breach has now affected almost 2,000 signal users. We then have an analysis of data that was leaked following the Airtel data breach, and make the shocking discovery that 18,000 Airtel users all used exactly the same password. We then travel to Washington State, where Whatcom County Library have had a data breach. And then to Edison in New Jersey, where Safira have had a data breach. And finally this week, we look at how California is preparing for the introduction of CPRA, the California Privacy Rights Act, in less than a year from now. So there's always a wide range of articles for you this week. We hope you find the information in the articles and informative. If you have any feedback for us, please do email us at feedback at gdprweekdshow.com. Wished it was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. On Wednesday this week, Apple released two security reports disclosing serious security vulnerabilities for its iPhones, iPads and Mac that could allow attackers to take complete control of these devices. In a statement, Apple said an application may be able to execute arbitrary code with kernel privileges. Apple is aware of the report that this issue may have been actively exploited. Apple's explanation of the vulnerability means a hacker could get full admin access to the device, meaning they can execute any code as if they are the user. Commercial spyware companies such as Israel's NSO Group are known for identifying and taking advantage of these flaws, exploiting them in malware that secretly infects the smartphone, takes the contents and surveys the targets all time. NSO Group spyware is known to have been used in Europe, Middle East, Africa and Latin America. Apple said that the following models are affected, iPhone 6S and later, several models of the iPad including 5th generation and later, all iPad Pro models and the iPad Air 2, Mac computers running Mac OS Monterey, and some iPods. Fortunately, Apple have been very quick and have developed a fix for this vulnerability. And so what you need to do if you have one of these devices is to update the software on your iPhone, iPad or iPod Touch. Go into Settings, from there tap General, then tap Software Update before hitting Download and Install. To update the software on your Mac, go to System Preferences, then do the Software Update. Then you'll see either an update now or an upgrade now button. Apple recommend that all users do this without delay. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. 
The Association of British Investigators has announced that it's launching a consultation on the draft code for the conduct for investigative and litigation support services by its members. They say that in August 2020, the ABI held its first public consultation on the proposed application for approval from the Information Commissioner's Office of a sector of specific GDPR code of conduct for investigative and litigation support services. The draft code document has been developed extensively and the current draft is proposed to be submitted to the ICO in support of the ABI application for approval, pending input and comments from stakeholders. For this purpose, the latest draft code is being made available for public consultation. The code of conduct is specifically focused on the following key areas, roles and responsibilities, data protection impact assessments, lawful basis for processing personal data, and legitimate interest assessments. The ICO will publish approved codes and code member details will be available on an ABI dedicated public register. The consultation response can be completed before the 16th of September 2022 by going to theabi.org.uk forward slash index.php question mark slash consultation. We hope to bring you more news on this consultation in upcoming episodes of the GDPR Wiki Show. If you're ready to listen to GDPR Wiki Show, you'll know that right back in episode 7, we first brought you news about the massive data breach Equifax. Indeed, we've also brought you updates on that data breach in episodes 15, 78, 94, 146, and most recent episode 181. Well, this week, the Securities and Exchange Commission in America has charged three people with illegally tipping and trading securities of Equifax in advance of the firms about the massive 2017 data breach. In September 2017, Equifax publicly announced it suffered a data breach which affected around 148 million customers in the USA, sending the company's share price tumbling by nearly 20%. The month before, the firm had engaged a Chicago-based public relations firm to help with the incoming fallout. According to the SEC complaint, Anne Dissinger, who worked as a finance manager at the PR firm, learned about the breach through her position and tipped her significant other, Lawrence Palmer. Palmer is accused of contacting a former business client and arranging for them to purchase out of the money Equifax put options in the client's brokerage account with the understanding that the pair would split any profits. Palmer later reimbursed the client for the purchase cost of the option of the cheque, writing in the memo line Blue Horseshoe, which the SEC says an apparent reference to coded language used to convey inside information to Wall Street. In addition, Palmer is accused of tipping his brother and business partner, Gerald Palmer, who then pulled the same put options move with a friend. The illegal trading netted approximately $35,000 and $73,000 in profits respectively, says the complaint. The brothers, without admitting or denying the allegations, have consented to a judgment that requires them to pay civil penalties. The litigation as to Dissinger remains pending. This is the third set of insider trading charges filed by the SEC relating to Equifax. In 2018, it charged two former Equifax employees, a chief information officer and a software engineering manager. If we get any further update on this from Equifax, we will, of course, bring it to you in the next available episode of GDPR Weekly Show. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. Another data breach which we've mentioned often here on the GDPR Weekly Show, but perhaps not quite so often as the Equifax one, is the data breach at Capital One. We've also previously mentioned on the GDPR Weekly Show about there being class action against Capital One to recover damages for those people involved in the data breach. A judge has given preliminary approval for $180 million in total settlement of those damages. There's been an extension in time to submit a claim 
The original deadline to file a valid claim in Chapter 1 case was August 22nd this year. That deadline has now been extended to September the 30th. For more details on the Chapter 1 data breach, please listen back to Episodes 53, 197 and 199 of the GDPR Weekly Show. Wished it was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon. To the Isle of Man now, and back in episode 163 and 102, we brought you into a date of Manx Care. Well, this week it emerged that Manx Care will have to pay £170,500 fine if it does not put suitable measures in place following a data protection involving a patient's private data. An insecure email attachment containing a patient's confidential health details was sent to 1,870 recipients. The island's information commissioner said the financial penalty would not be imposed if secure systems were put in place by the 31st of December 2022. Mains Care, for its part, said work was already underway. Information Commissioner Ian MacDonald said it was unacceptable for such a significant personal data breach to occur. When the email was sent in October last year, Mains Care had already been under an enforcement notice issued to the Health Department over its handling of confidential data, with a second issued in February this year. Previous enforcement notices attempted to get Mainz Care to appropriately protect the patient data with which it is entrusted, Mill said. The continued failure of Mainz Care to implement a secure means of communicating patient data has ultimately led to the imposition of this penalty. The decision to stay the payment of the penalty provides another opportunity for Mainz Care to take the necessary action. Public funds will only be diverted if it fails to do so. It's now up to Mainz Care. In a statement, Mainz Care said the diversion of some staff to other roles during the coronavirus pandemic and limited resources that held up progress with the implementation of more secure patient to sharing systems. We acknowledge the significant failures outlined in the enforcement notice, which make for uncomfortable reading, and would like to offer our sincere and unreserved apologies to those individuals whose data was breached through no fault of their own, the statement. If we get any further update on this later in the year from Mainz Care or indeed from the Mainz Information Commissioner, we will explain to you right here on GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To Canada now, and WestJet says that it's investigating a technical glitch in its app that allowed users to see other people's profiles. CTV News in Calgary first learned of the issue on Wednesday afternoon from a viewer and a Twitter post that indicated that once you were logged into the airline's app, you could see the personal information of other WestJet app users. The airline said it became aware of the issue just before 4pm on Wednesday and that the issue was resolved about 35 minutes later. WestJet has not provided any more details about the data breach. The Calgary-based airline has apologised to any customers affected. To South Africa now, and Vodacom has warned customers who took up Vodacom Fibre subscriptions through marketing agency Real Promotions that a data breach has compromised their personal data. In an email sent to affected customers on Wednesday, the 17th of August 2022, the company said an unauthorised party had accessed the agency's servers. Real Promotions has informed us that the information accessed includes first and last name, email address, identity document number, a copy of the ID, postal address and physical address, Vodacom said. The exposure of ID copies was also one of the consequences of a recent cyber attack that led to shop-wide customer data being posted on the dark web. Vodacom said Real Promotions had closed off access to the compromised server after the breach was discovered and was monitoring systems for further unauthorised activity. It also appointed independent cybersecurity forensic specialists. Real Promotions has assured us 
that is since fixed the issue and that all measures have been taken so that no one else can access this information from their server, Vodacom said in a statement. Vodacom and Real Promotions have reported incidents of the information regulator and remain committed to working with relevant authorities. Vodacom said that no passwords were exposed and any information relating to other Vodacom services was safe. No Vodacom or Vodacom fibre system were compromised as a result of this incident, they said. We have nonetheless urged affected Vodacom fibre customers be particularly vigilant online, on email, and if they receive any unexpected phone calls. We will notify affected customers if there's any other actions we recommend they take. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com. The phone numbers of nearly 2,000 customers with encrypting messaging platform Signal have been exposed for an efficient attack on one of its suppliers, Cloud Communications Company Twilio, which was brought you details of that in last week's episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. For Signal, it appears that an attacker gained access to the phone numbers of around 1,900 Signal users, according to an advisory released by the company this week. Signal engineers believed it would have been possible for them to attempt to register the phone numbers they accessed to another device using the SMS verification code. Signal, which provides end-to-end encrypted messaging for business consumers, counts companies including Ford and HSBC amongst its enterprise customers. Signal has reached out to all affected users via SMS to prompt them to re-register their accounts. The company is unregistering all affected phone numbers. Information like contact lists and profile information to be recovered with a Signal PIN code which cannot be accessed by the criminal. However, in the case that an attacker was able to re-register an account, they would send and receive Signal messages from that phone number. But the best way to protect an existing account from this type of attack in the future Signal recommends enabling the registration lock function. While we don't have the ability to directly fix the issues affecting the telecom ecosystem, we will be working with Twilio and potentially other providers to tighten up their security where it matters for our users. said. Wish there was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR made simple. Available now on Amazon. Last year, a huge data breach put all of Airtel's subscriber data in danger of theft. The Red Rabbit team hacking group posted online sample data regarding up to 2.5 million Airtel subscribers and advertised the sale of the complete subscriber database for $3,500 in bitcoins. The website hosting the sample data has since been taken down, but it appears that the hacker organisation still has access to all the data on Airtel customers. The Airtel data leak came to light after an Indian security researcher Rajeshka Rajaharia tweeted images of the identical sample data. The majority of the information in these screenshots has been obscured due to the sensitivity of the data sets that were exposed. The hacker group uploaded to the internet more than 2.5 million Airtel customers' data points, including city, gender, full name, date birth, service status, phone number, house number, passport, voter ID, father or husband's name, and IMSI, the International Mobile Subscriber Identity Number. Airtel subscribers' personal information included in the sample data sets have been made public, include places like Jammu and Kashmir, Punjab, Delhi, Maharashtra, Rajasthan, Karnataka, and more. A video released by the hacker group suggests that Airtel knew about the data breach two months before it made it public. But having examined the sample data, perhaps the most amazing thing to us is that 18,000 users of the Airtel system use exactly the same password. Now, for Obvious reasons, we're not going to reveal on here what that password is. But astonishing that 18,000 users use it. I thought that possibly either it's the default password, which is set for new accounts and changed it, or maybe it's the password used by Airtel support teams when someone loses their password to enable them to reset the password. Either way, 
it does seem that the data is based money vulnerable if you have something like 18,000 users all in the same password. If we get an update on this from Airtel, we will bring it to you in a future episode of the GDPR Weekly Show. You're listening to the GDPR Weekly Show with your host, Keith Budden. To Washington State in the USA now, and in particular to Whatcom County. The Tastadia Daily reports that the Whatcom County Library System is investigating a breach that exposed the personal data of library users. System administrators first detected malware on the library's computers in late June 2022, and in July discovered that the names, birth dates, library card numbers, and PIN numbers of over 700 library card holders had been compromised. However, initial reports from the library erroneously stated that all user data was secure and the security breach was confined to an internal communication system. When asked for an explanation for the misinformation, Executive Director Christine Pertin said, Our primary interest is in protecting the information in our care, and we're cautious about speculating about what's happening or sharing data about how we're enhancing our security protocols. Though Perkins also declined to disclose its animal impacted users, the affected individuals have been notified directly, and all user PIN numbers have to be updated. To Edison in New Jersey now, and Safira Fine Linens is notifying individuals of a data incident. They say that to date, they have no evidence of actual attempted misuse of the information as a result of the incident. They also say the event did not impact any of Safira's e-commerce platforms or any information retained in their e-commerce systems. They say that on or about April 24, 2022, Safira became aware of suspicious activity on its computer servers. Safira immediately took steps to secure their network and with the assistance of third-party forensic specialists deployed countermeasures to contain the event. Safira immediately began an investigation to determine the nature and scope of the activity with the assistance of a third-party forensic specialist. The investigation found that certain files may have been subject to unauthorised access between April 14, 2022 and April 24, 2022. Given that certain files were potentially accessed without authorization, Safira undertook a comprehensive review of the data to understand the specific information potentially impacted and to who it related. Once those efforts were completed, Safira worked diligently to provide notification to potentially impacted as quickly as possible. The impacted information varies by individual but may include name, address, date of birth, social security number, driver's license number, financial account information, medical and or health insurance information, passport information, electronic digital signatures and account access credentials. Safira stressed that they take this event and the obligation to safeguard the information in care very seriously. After discovering the suspicious activity, Safira promptly took steps to confirm security and engage third-party forensic specialists to assist in conducting a comprehensive investigation of the event to confirm its nature, scope and impact. Safira also promptly notified federal law enforcement. Further, as part of its ongoing commitment to the privacy and security of personal information in its care, Safira is reviewing and enhancing existing policies and procedures relating to data protection and security. Safira has instituted additional security measures to better protect against future similar events. Safira is also notifying relevant regulatory authorities as required. Any individuals affected are encouraged to remain vigilant against sense of identity thefts by reviewing account statements and credit reports for unusual activity and reporting suspicious activity. Individuals who have questions about the incident or believe they may have been impacted by this incident can call Safira's dedicated call centre at 1-800-939-4170. The helpline is available from 9am to 9pm Eastern Time, Monday to Friday. Wished it was a simple guide to GDPR? Well, now there is. GDPR Made Simple. Available now on Amazon.
And we end with a reminder to California-based businesses that CPRA, the California Privacy Rights Act, begins enforcement in July 2023, so less than a year from now. Obviously, businesses in California have become used to CCPA, the California Consumer Privacy Act, but the California Privacy Rights Act, the CPRA, intends to build on the foundations of CCPA with some stronger measures. A few of the highlights are the creation of a sensitive personal information category of data. CCPA introduced personal information as a data category. CPRA adds SPI, sensitive personal information, as a subset. SPI includes data concerning race, ethnicity, sex, life, sexuality, financial information, union membership and geolocation. So very similar to what's considered as sensitive data under GDPR. CPRA also sees the introduction of contractor as a new entity type. CCPA defines three types of entities, businesses, service providers and third parties. By adding contractor as a fourth entity, the CPRA lays out more specific data stewardship standards for any organisation working with companies that select data from California citizens. And perhaps the biggest move is that the CPRA will see the establishment of the California Privacy Protection Agency, the CPPA. The CPPA will assume administrative enforcement powers of both the CPRA and the CCPA, a power that formerly resided with the California Attorney General. And though the Attorney General will retain civil enforcement authority. CPRA enforcement will begin in July 2023 and applicable to all California user data collected since January 2022. Penalties for non-compliance could be severe. If the CPPA identifies violations, companies have 30 days to fix them or face fines of $2,500 per unintentional violation or $7,500 per intentional violation. One violation is represented by one data record. A recent survey of businesses in California found that less than 25% of organisations considered that they were currently ready for the new act. But perhaps that's not surprising given that only 36% of organisations are fully CCPA compliant. Of the remaining 64%, 1.5% do collect data on California residents but have no plans to comply with CCPA. Maybe the stronger penalties in CPRA will make them sit up and take notice. And to be fair to California businesses, Whilst it seems perhaps odd that only 36% of organisations in California are fully CPA compliant, it's perhaps a reminder that only just over 25% of companies within the UK are estimated to have correctly registered for GDPR, let alone being 100% GDPR compliant. So what can Californian businesses do to prepare for CPOA? Well, the four things that they advise at the moment are firstly, understand your responsibilities. Assess how you collect data on California residents and understand what regulatory consequences your collection methods have. Understand where your data is stored and what agreements you must reach with third parties to remain compliant. You should also track your data's whereabouts in real time. Determine how your organisation handles personal and sensitive personal information after collecting it. Where does it go? Who gets access to it? Is it stored safely? Do you share it with anyone, wittingly or not? Upgrade your technological solutions, stronger forms of anti-phishing tools, Two-factor authentication for employees and customers and cloud security tools can all help you meet the new regulations. And remember that all your employees need to be trained in CPRA and its impact on your business. If you are a business involving California residents and would like any help with preparing for the introduction of CPRA, please do get in touch with us using the contact details that are coming up right now. Contact us on helpdesk at gdprweeklyshow.com.
We hope that you've enjoyed this week's episode of the GPR Weekly Show and that you found the information useful and informative. We do really appreciate your feedback, so please do email us at feedback at gdprweeklyshow.com with any comments you might have about the articles we've raised this week or indeed any suggestions you might have for improvements to the show. The GDPR Weekly Show is a insurance production. Please be advised that any advice given during the show is general in nature and should not be taken as specific legal advice. You should always seek legal advice according to your own specific circumstances. Until next time. Bye-bye.